All right. Huh. Welcome again, everybody. Good to see everyone here on this uh, second Sunday in Advent as we keep going with our series on how does a weary world rejoice. And again, the idea behind it, the philosophy of it isn't to be weary, but it's to rejoice in the midst of weariness. So our rejoicing is not fake, but it's an honest rejoicing. And it's a rejoicing that we do in the real world with real struggles and real things going on. Today we talk about finding joy in connection. So that's our theme with the story of Mary and Elizabeth. Our painting for today, it comes from the Reverend Nicolette Peñaranda, who is the ELCA Director of African Descent Missionaries. So this is a Lutheran painting today. And um, so the set, this is our story. So the setting for the story of Mary and Elizabeth is usually called the Annunciation, right? The angel comes to Mary and announces that she'll arrive. And that's the story we usually hear on Christmas. That's the one we're most familiar with. We don't as often include the, the one right before and after about Elizabeth. And, you know, I kind of get it. It can make a really long reading going through all of it. And of course, historically, it always does seem a little bit of a stretch to us, right? I mean, you know, John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins, really. And, you know, I mean, if Jesus met him by the river, why didn't he say, hey, cousin? You know, uh, they didn't greet each other like relatives. And, you know, they'd be related. I mean, Elizabeth is married to a priest. Mary's a peasant girl from way up north. They'd really be related. And by the way, if you're Mary and you're nine months pregnant and coming to Bethlehem and there's no room at the inn, why not go stop by and knock on the door of your wealthy Aunt Elizabeth, who's got this uh, nice big house, as priests would have had. Um, you know, and of course, then you got to picture yourself being Elizabeth and, and Zechariah. You know, here you are in this big position, and the next thing you know, your kid, instead of taking up the mantle of the priesthood, goes and puts on camel hair and, go and lives, goes and lives down by the river. But that's how the story goes. So, you know, you could get really worked up about the, the, the scientific stuff. Uh, I always kind of flinched at the whole Mary walks in the room and baby John the Baptist hears her voice in the womb and starts kicking. I'm like, is that scientifically possible? And I'm like, I know. And then I thought, maybe that's why my kids got so much morning sick, why my wife had morning sickness all the time, because I was around and my kids were like, I don't want to listen to that guy anymore. Make him stop. That Minnesota accent's atrocious. I don't know. But let's put all that aside and just take the story at face value and run with it and listen to what it might be saying. Because Luke, of all the gospel writers, Luke makes this big effort in his version to include John the Baptist's mom, to include Jesus's mom, to give them a place, a narrative here, a special role. Uh, they even talk to each other. So Luke, of the four Gospels, is the only one that passes the Bechtel test. You know the Bechtel test? They, they run it on movies. It's you have to have two women talking to each other, not about a man. Um, you'd be amazed how many movies don't pass that test. I hadn't thought about that. Like, I mean, some of the greats in American cinema, you know, Citizen Kane, Matrix, Dodgeball, none of these 
passed the Bechtel test, you know? You don't think dodgeball is great? And you're missing out. But Luke makes it, barely, but Luke makes it. But, and I think that's important to note, that to Luke, their perspective was important. And putting the context of Jesus and his mother was important. And so we get the picture today, painted, intended to be in very traditional festive Middle Eastern gear. It's full of bright colors, so you can tell it was not painted by one of my Scandinavian or Irish ancestors. But it's also designed to show that what's going on is very spiritual on the one hand, because God is giving a gift. The babies are gifts from the Spirit, and at the same time, God has a plan for them both, and it's very concrete. Their bond is spiritual, and yet it's very physical. They have a spiritual, a physical connection through the Spirit. You could say the spiritual is physical, or vice versa. And that's such a change from probably what so many of us have grown up in Christianity thinking. You know, we're used to listening to Paul where it's the flesh is at war with the spirit and the flesh is trying to tempt me away from the spirit and, and my body is at war. I'm like, dude, Paul, what were you struggling with? We don't know. But in Luke, it's not a, there's no battle. God speaks to us and connects to us through the body as much as through the spirit. They're not separated. And so you have these two women together. They're by themselves. They have a place in this story. And at the time, babies were a woman's story. That's how it worked in that world. Men weren't even allowed to get involved very much. It would have been very much against the culture, even if they wanted to. And the truth is that we aren't even all that different from that. We aren't that far removed from it ourselves. You know, I was thinking about it. My dad was explaining. Back in the 50s in the small town, uh, when my grandmother was giving birth, my grandpa was not allowed in the delivery room. Not allowed. So what he would do when my grandma went into labor, he'd put his collar on, go to the front desk, get the list of all the patients at the hospital, this was before HIPAA, and then go run visits. And then he, then he was in the building when they could then pay, then they could, you know, send a nurse to get him. And I'm like, Man, imagine nowadays, you know, the TikToks. I was in birth and he was doing work. Right? You're, you, you don't get into that delivery room. You're a monster, right? Back then, my grandpa wasn't even allowed. But that was, and so that was only the 50s. But back in their world, yes, this is their story. This is Mary and Elizabeth's story. And it's their time and it's their space they get to share with each other. And in their world, birth and child raising were things that women didn't usually do alone. You usually had, well, you would live in probably when a big extended family, and there'd be aunts, and there'd be grandmas, and there'd be neighbors, and everybody chipped in to raise kids. So on the one hand, you had a lot less work as a mom because you didn't have to take them from program to program to program, and you didn't have to shuttle, and you didn't have to check homework. You just sent them out into the middle of the square and they might be over here and everyone would kind of discipline everyone and everyone would teach everyone. You know, they took this village thing very literally. And it would be a group of mostly women who would do it. And this was their own space. And they did it without men being involved that much. 
and they had their own special community, and it was a lot less lonely. Now, it wasn't like it was easy. I mean, you still had to wash your clothes by hand and fetch the water by hand. They still had plenty of work, but you weren't doing it by yourself. It isn't like today where you have to do it with just your kids and your husband, right? Now, again, one of my theories is that part of what puts so much strain on marriages in the West is that we, ha we are in a situation where we try to do it all just two people by ourselves without all that extended family. And I get how hard it is to do that with, you know, moving for jobs and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it puts a lot of strain. You got to do all that work and we have to do that all ourselves. They, di they didn't work that way. They had a lot more they had people together and they didn't have to carry the load alone. And so Mary and Elizabeth had each other and they had this bond, they had this place, they had this space. Yes, they were bonding over birth, but they were also bonding over, over the fact that God had given them. It was a spiritual space, it was a personal space. Now, I will give one caveat, of course. You always got to be careful not to romanticize overly that, kind of wor that sort of cultural way. You had a lot of support, you didn't have a lot of choice, right? You, you were kind of bonded together with babies because that's all you could do. But you didn't do it alone. And it was also a good environment for instilling faith in kids. So you would be together in your village and everybody believed. So, you know, they, they, might hear, they might hear the story from you. They might go over there and hear the story from them. They might be at grandma's house and grandma would tell the scripture story. And they might get lunch at Aunt Judy's and Aunt, while Aunt Judy is making them a sandwich, uh, they, hear the, they hear the story from Aunt Judy. And so faith becomes a part of the community, becomes a part of the air you breathe and the world you live. And it, it, it kind of becomes just a normal thing. And it tends to stick. It's a good way of instilling faith in kids so that the ordinary things of life become godly things in life. Life and faith were together and the village supported it, right? Now we got to try to raise the kids ourselves and we got to try to teach them the faith while we know that they go off to school and their friends are saying religion is stupid or whatever else, right? The culture doesn't support us. I don't know how many people in my cul-de-sac believe. I know, mo I know I'm usually the only car pulling out on, on Sunday morning. And um, so, you know, we have, a different, we have a different situation that we have to deal with it. So for us, we have to be that connection to each other. We have to be that village for each other. We have to be the family that nurtures our own kids. We have to build those bonds ourselves because it won't happen accidentally. And it has been shown that kids, uh, maybe the kids, people in general, will stay more involved in church as they get older when they feel supported in times of need. So when they feel like something happened and the church was there for them, that tends to make a lasting impact. Or if they're involved in the church and they know adults and the adults know them and they feel like the adults in the church care about them, that also has a big impact. In fact, when they've sat and they've crunched the numbers on these things, what are the biggest things that impact people staying in the church? Big, nice youth programs, what everybody's always searching for all the time, falls like four or five on the list. Church family, Family and church family fall one and two. 
It's why those little country churches, I know I always wax poetic about little country churches, but some of them have huge rates of retention of their kids after graduation because they're just a part of one big family. They can't field a program. They just, they are the program. And everyone knows everyone. They sort of build that village for themselves. They become the support they can rely on. And uh, so that's what we try to do, is to create that village for each other, to combat that loneliness, that isolation, that exhaustion we feel from that daily grind. I was reminded as I was going through this of a, a member of my former church. She had had a cabin up on Mount Lemmon going back into the, I don't know, 50s or 60s, back when Summer Haven cabins were cabins. And she said that, uh, and she said that when they were there, they would kind of move up for the summer, and all the kids knew each other, and basically they'd leave in the morning, and they'd all just go run up and down the road in Summer Haven and play. And they got to know everyone's houses, and they were, and it was this kind of big family thing, she said. And she said it all changed with the fire in 2003, because after the fire, people started selling, or there was rebuilding, and after the rebuilding started, then people started building really big houses, and then neighbors started suing each other because they were blocking the view. And she said that was the end of the Summer Haven stopped being one big family and became something different. That that village kind of got destroyed, that became a casualty of the fire as well. So we need to be that village for each other. So Mary and Elizabeth, getting back to Mary and Elizabeth, they have this special connection across the generations that they will both have sons that will be influential because God said so. Uh, they don't know how it's all going to end, but they have each other and they have the special bond. And it's tough enough, you know, it's tough enough to get a baby when you aren't expecting it. At least you can go through it with somebody else which is one of the ways we rejoice in our weariness, is that we find connection and we don't do it alone. Even when it's a lot of work, we try not to do it alone. We find others who can build us up. And that's part of why we do the things that we do as a church, why we have moms groups and men's groups and these kind of things, so we can be that community for each other, so that a lot of those seemingly mundane things, like should I use cloth diapers or, or, or the throwaway diapers or, uh, you know, why, why am I feeling so depressed when I should be so happy with my baby? Or why are we fighting so much in our marriage all the time when there should be this joyous event? And as a guy with five kids, I'll, I'll start with, well, it might have something to do with the fact that nobody's getting any sleep and your workload is 10 times bigger. Let's start with that. But who knows? Do you have a space to share like Mary and Elizabeth do? These are all the things of our lives. And when we fill the things of our lives with the joy of the gospel, the ordinary things become sacred things and the connection we have in each other becomes a godly connection. And it gets us through the loneliness and the weariness and the isolation like it did for Mary and Elizabeth. Amen.